Well, hey, everyone, this is Heidi St. John. I'm glad you guys have joined me uh, in uh, my little corner of the internet here in Southwest Washington. I have been thrilled to read your reviews and the letters that are coming in to see what God's doing with you guys in the new year. And it's thrilling for me to have just a small part of it. So thank you for listening to the show. Today, my friend, Dr. Jeff Myers is back on the podcast. As you know, Jeff is the president of Summit Ministries. He's a respected authority on youth and leadership development. And I enjoy my conversations with him immensely because he's not afraid to wade into the cultural waters and talk about what God says. And we know that God's word is full of answers. This is what we're talking about all throughout 2023 at MomStrong International. And today, we're going to talk about the case for truth. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. Well, welcome to the show, you guys. I'm just going to jump right into this because Dr. Jeff and I always have a hoot and holler and good time, and there's so much going on in the news. We're going to hit the topic of truth today. Dr. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Thank you. These are fun conversations. I'm really glad to be back. They are indeed, and there's a lot going on right now. Uh, You and I were just talking before the show started that... uh, the fight for truth in this country and indeed around the world really is raging right now. You know, people unwilling to say that there is such a thing as truth. And I'm going to kick it off today by reading to the audience a quote, which you and I were just discussing uh, off the, off the air. This is Pope Benedict who, you know, passed away just a couple of days ago. And I've been looking into a little bit of his work and some of his writings. And I came across a quote, There's actually several of them, but this one was really very interesting to me. He's talking about the need for the culture to embrace objective truth. He said, it is obvious that the concept of truth has become suspect. Of course, it is correct that it has been much abused. Intolerance and cruelty have occurred in the name of truth. And to that extent, people are afraid when someone says this is the truth or even I have the truth. We never have it. At best, it has us. No one will dispute that one must be careful and cautious in claiming the truth, but simply to dismiss it as unattainable is really destructive. Instead, we must have the courage to dare to say, yes, man must seek the truth. He is capable of truth. It goes without saying that truth requires criteria for verification and falsification. It must always be accompanied by tolerance also. But then truth also points out those constant values which have made mankind great And that is why the humility to recognize the truth and to accept it as a standard has to be relearned and practiced again. You know, I'm not Catholic, Heidi, but Pope Benedict is somebody I've respected for a long time because of his thinking. And when someone someone in that position writes something like that, you want to pay close attention because there there are hundreds of millions of Catholics around the world who are listening, hopefully carefully. And considering the possibility that our culture has rejected something that is fundamental to our survival, which is the idea that truth exists and can be known. And even before becoming Pope Benedict, uh, you know, he was Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, Joseph Ratzinger, Ratzinger, and I would read his articles and first things on a regular basis. Hmm. Every time I saw his name, I would immediately go to the article because he had such a sensible perspective on some of the issues that that trouble us. So yes, there are people out there, you know, the whole postmodern movement was built on the idea that, hey, listen, anytime somebody claims to know the truth, they end up killing people. Mm. Well, so we should, so the solution is to not ever claim to know the truth. That's, that was how postmodernists dealt with it. 
And that's what uh, Pope Benedict was dealing with in that, in that particular statement. You can't say that just because people have been hurt by some people's truth claims that therefore there is no truth. It simply doesn't follow logically or rationally in, in any way. It's not a defensible kind of approach. Yeah. And honestly, you know, the fact that you, you know, I mentioned this to you because I bristled a little bit and I bet you some of my audience is bristling too when he said the truth must always be accompanied by tolerance. But you noted that he's not talking about the tolerance of the left. He's talking about tolerance in the true sense of the word, right? Yes. There's a, there's a true kind of tolerance and a false kind of tolerance is the way I see it. A false tolerance is to say that no ideas matter. A true tolerance is to say, I disagree with you. I think you're missing the the mark, but I, I'm not going to hurt you or punish you or try to cancel you as a result. Right. That I, you know, I have a brother who I, we, I love him dearly. We love and respect one another. We disagree on just about every issue that there is. Mm-hmm. But when we have conversations together, you'll see the love and respect. It's not that we agree. It's not that we're saying, oh, well, I'm going to give up on my viewpoint so that I can love you better as my brother. No, it's how do you love someone you disagree with? And isn't this one of the most important things we have to learn? You know, you and I were talking just before the show, Stephanie and I just returned from Israel. Israel surrounded by Lebanon, Syria, Jordan. In Egypt, when Saddam Hussein shot rockets from Iraq to Israel, the distance is so short, Heidi, that it takes seven minutes for those rockets to hit their target. Seven minutes. So this is a nation that cannot afford to just say our way or the highway. They have to be able to work with people who hate their guts because it's their very survival that is at stake. Right. True tolerance, I think based on the writings that I've seen uh, from Cardinal Ratzinger back when he was a German intellectual in in the Catholic tradition many, many years ago, what he means by that is, no, we respect one another. And I think that goes back to the idea of a biblical view of truth, that if Jesus is the truth, then truth isn't just a set of facts, it's a person. And if it's a person, then how we communicate the truth is actually an essential part of what is true. Yeah. And it matters, doesn't it? Because it seems like in the culture, what's being pushed is this idea of subjective truth. And you and I agreed before the show that the the concept, the fact of objective truth really is a hill worth dying on. And you might remember, as I do, in the 80s, Oprah Winfrey was one of the first public figures to uh, take this concept of your truth and my truth out into the mainstream marketplace of ideas. And I'm sitting on the floor, you know, living room in my mother's house in the 80s, listening to her talk about how she had discovered her truth truth. And I remember just scratching my head going, wait a second. I didn't realize that you could have your truth and I could have my truth. What do you think uh, about this idea that all of a sudden we're teaching our children that their truth is inside of them rather than something that can be attained and something they should be looking for? You know, two of my children are in aviation. I have a daughter who's a helicopter pilot and a son who is um, training to be a fixed wing pilot. And they will tell you, because they both have this, what was called an instrument training that they, they go through, because there are certain times when you're in the clouds in your aircraft, 
And you, if you rely on your inner ear to try to establish equilibrium, to decide whether you're maintaining level flight, mm. it will mislead you. That you need an instrument and you need something that is outside of you to show you whether or not you are maintaining your altitude, maintaining your level flight. Because people who pay attention to their feelings in such a situation go into what they call a graveyard spiral. They feel that they're maintaining level flight, but all the time they're headed straight into the ground. I think that's, that's how, if, if we think that somehow the compass is in here rather than out there, then we'll always be misled. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not the only one who thinks this. I mean, I remember M. Scott Peck in the 1970s. He was a psychiatrist, and he wrote a book called Road Less Traveled. I strongly disagreed with many of the things he said in the book, but it, uh, it, it, he, he made a point that I think we ought to take into consideration. He said, if you are mentally ill or have some kind of an addiction, the very first thing you have to do with grapple, is grapple with reality as it actually is. Mm. Okay? It, either there is something outside of us, or actually maybe your addiction is normal. You know, snort as much cocaine as you want, smoke as much crack as you want, because that's what's true for you. We would never say that to a person. In fact, we would think that it's cruel for, to, to say that to that person. Grappling with reality is the fundamental key to living a successful life. And I think the same is true in cultures as well. So we're on a, we're on a bad path. I don't know why Oprah couldn't have just said, I have an interesting perspective that's informed by new information right. that I got. Why couldn't she say that? Why did she have to say that this is my truth? Mm-hmm. Because then she's abusing language mm-hmm. to try to make a point and maybe win some fans. Well, we're seeing that abuse of language is is carrying over, right, with this absurd use of pronouns now. Like, you get to choose your pronouns. Someone said to me the other day when I was reading questions from listeners, why do you care? Why does it matter what pronouns someone wants to use? And I said, because they're abusing the truth. There is a truth that we have got to objectively agree on, and that is the truth of male and female. And so when you see someone wearing a button like I did recently at the grocery store, then, you know, wanted to let me know what his pronouns were, I wanted to just say, hey, can we have an honest conversation about why language matters? And what Oprah was doing was really opening sort of this Pandora's box of uh, maligning the truth that is found in the basics of language. We face this issue sometimes uh, with students at Summit Ministries who come in and they they haven't really been trained with a biblical worldview. And, and you know, the heart of our program is this two-week-long course of study. Students come in in the summertime. We tell them, bring all of your tough questions. And the question about pronouns and things like that uh, very often will come up. Mm-hmm. It's almost never a question. It, it, sometimes it's a question about respect. Do you respect me as a person? Do you believe that I exist independent of you and that I should have a value? Okay, that's, sometimes it's about that. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes the whole question about pronouns is, can I force you to believe the deception that I myself have believed? I went to the doctor this morning and I did the online check-in, you know, even though there are never more than two people in this particular doctor's <laughs> office, like <laughs> might take, might save me 30 seconds along the way. And they, they asked me a couple of questions. I thought we're interested. What is your gender identity? That was on the online survey. And then yeah. second one was, what was your sex assigned at birth? Uh, yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause honestly they have to know it. 
they ha- it doesn't matter what you identify as. They have to actually know what your sex, quote, assigned to you at birth was because that's the reality that's that will matter. Reality. If you end yeah. up in the hospital, they need to know, are you a dude or a lady? They need to know. <laughs> I think the I think the word assigned is what triggered me, and unfortunately, <laughs> I, I I get along very well with my doctor, and we're you know we're um, we see eye to eye on a, on a lot of things. Sure, and but but he works for a medical network that's decided that they would rather be politically correct than medically correct. Unbelievable! And so it's dangerous. It, 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 certainly, it's dangerous. Is your sex assigned at birth? Am I a boy because a doctor looked at me when I was born and said, "I guess this one's a boy." It's a random act of random act of gender well, assignment. You you look boyish to me. Let's call you a boy. No, there had to have been a defining feature. <laughs> there are six thousand five hundred biological differences between males and females. How many? Six thousand five hundred, at least. My husband's going to be shaking his head, going, "Dude, you right." Virtually every cell in your body, but but yes, we know that emotionally that are that that emotionally we have differences. These are can't all be explained by social construction. You have XX chromosomes and you have XY chromosomes. There are some young people today who literally believe that if they were born with XX chromosomes, there's medicine that can change them so they have XY chromosomes. Okay, that's delusional. Yeah. Somebody in that situation doesn't need medicine. They need counseling. Yes. They need yeah. help. Mm-hmm. They, they need to grapple with reality as it actually is. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just think that, you know, the, but, the, but think of the language there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have a language difference here. If someone believes there is no truth, then the language assigned at birth makes perfect sense to them mm-hmm. because a thing isn't actually that thing until you name it. Mm-hmm. That the words you use make something what it is yeah. rather than the words help you identify and clarify and explain what the thing is. Mm-hmm. And to a lot of people they are like, man, this is just, I'm just, my eyes are rolling back in my head. This is so philosophical. This is hugely important. Yeah. The whole debate comes down to words. Our, our professor we used to have at, at Summit Ministries passed away, unfortunately, several years ago. Michael Bauman from Hillsdale College used mm-hmm. to say, when words lose their meaning, People lose their lives. Mm. Civilizations are at stake over things like this. Yeah, and we're seeing it. No better places to watch this unfold than uh, in the landscape of TikTok and social media. Where so I watched it. Uh, someone sent me. I don't have a TikTok account. You know, it's dumpster fire. I, I every every day I'm like, should I delete my Facebook? Every single day I have this, yeah, this conversation with myself. But someone sent me a, a video. Of a of a boy who thinks he's a girl who thinks he's yeah. having his first menstrual period, right? And so he's on his bed just writhing in pain, talking about how terrible this is. And I said to my husband, there was a point in which we would have said, boy, that guy needs a doctor. And he needs uh, like he needs psychological evaluation. He needs some sort of help because he's clearly having a break from reality. But now instead of of actually offering help to these young people, we're encouraging them in the in the delusion. I want to. Uh, I'll tell you something that happened to me several years ago in Indianapolis, and I want to get your feedback on it. I was probably speaking out one of the first speakers, at least for sure, in the homeschool world to start talking about transgenderism from the platform. And about eight years ago, uh, I did uh, a talk called "Culture in Crisis" and kind of talking about the 
uh, beginning of the transgender movement, sort of where I saw it going, the transgender tipping point, which was an article that Time magazine put out several years ago. This is before Caitlyn Jenner, right? Before Bruce Jenner Mm -hmm. decided he was going to transition and pretend to be a woman. So I'm giving this talk and I, and I put up a slide Uh, from the American uh, College of Psychiatrists, and it said it was just the clinical definition of delusional. And I read it. And I read that, and then I read a quote from this man who who was trying to transition to being something he would never be. And as I was doing it, a woman from about maybe a quarter of the way back in the auditorium, maybe 4,000 people in this auditorium, she stands up and she Fist in the air. And you know, Jeff, you you and I have been around each other a long time. I speak all over the country. There's a few things that had never happened to me to this point, and that was definitely one of them. And she starts, you know, kind of charging the stage, you know, fist in the air. And she said, give me your microphone. Uh, I want to talk now. And I remember just for a, a, a brief moment, because I could watch right now, they've called security is, is come, filing in the back. And I can see the board of directors for the Indianapolis convention, like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And I remember just, it was like the Holy Spirit just said, this is a glimpse into the spiritual battle because this is spiritual. It is spiritual a hundred different ways from Sunday. And this woman said that she had had a dream and that in her dream, God had told her that this was the way that this generation was born, mm. that some of them were born in the wrong body. And it turns out her son, who'd gone to the Indianapolis Unified School District, had been taught from the time he was in kindergarten. His teacher read a book to him called Worm Loves Worm about these true androgynous worms that change sex. By the time he's in third grade, two of his friends have transitioned now. They think they're the opposite gender now. Her son also believes he's the opposite gender. Uh, this is spiritual, and it and the church has a role to play in it, right? God's people have a responsibility to truth. How important is it for those of us who are just out there in the in the you know the mainstream of Facebook and the dumpster fire that is TikTok and the the our, our high school campuses and our universities, how important is it for us to take a stand for truth and not continue with this uh, buying into or even soft stepping the narrative that truth is subjective? Yeah, it's vitally important that we do it. And, and the trick always has been, and to me, how do you do it mm-hmm. in a way that allows people to see the truth that's otherwise been clouded mm-hmm. uh, for them? Uh, be, because w- when we talk about truth, the actual definition we'll give is the way things really are that we would all see if we had the available information necessary and we were not deluding ourselves. Right. Okay. So what you've got is a culture that the truth always is there, mm-hmm. but people don't see it anymore because they've deluded themselves from being able to see it. And anytime you've been wrong in a, you know, in a, in a discussion with a loved one, uh, it's frequent. You know, you happens, face, to, uh, happens to me frequently. <laughs> so you, you face that situation of, uh, I'm wrong, but man, I got to sell it because I, I got, you know, I got to go for it now. I, it's too late to back down. Yeah. 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 So now you, I feel you, stupid. Yeah. So and you don't want to feel stupid because you don't want to feel disrespected. Right. Right. And you're worried that, that the loss of respect could, could create damage and, and plus you're angry, which makes it hard. It makes everything harder. So that's yes. sort of where we are 
what, what the, the feeling that you know, that we all know because we've all been there personally is sort of what's happening in the larger culture. So you've got a couple of different kinds of responses. You have responses like the person at the conference who was going to be aggressive. You have other people who are passive. Then you have some people who are passive aggressive and, you know, and, but you have, you have all these different responses. Unfortunately, where we are, Heidi, right now is that most people who know the truth say, in fact, I'll give you a specific statistic about this. We asked uh, several key questions in a recent poll. And then we asked, you know, if you, do you ever speak up on these things? And Mm -hmm. half the people who had sort of a common sense perspective on life, what we call traditional values, half of them said they never say anything. So we asked them why. And of the ones who said they never say anything, some said, um, about half of them said, I don't want to offend anyone. And Mm -hmm. the other half said, I don't know what to say. So if out of all the people who know the truth, half of them won't ever talk about it, then because they're afraid of offending someone or they don't know what to say, which, and I, I get that. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to be an offensive person, right? And nor do I want to be stupid. I don't want to, you know, jump into the middle of an argument and realize that my argument is silly, right? I, I don't. It, I would rather not say anything than come across with bad information. So I understand the concerns, but what does that drive people to do? It drives them to say, well, uh, you know, then I'm just going to be nice. Mm. And niceness, you know, Jesus would be nice, so I'm going to be nice rather than speak the truth. But Jesus was all about truth. Yeah, I wouldn't describe Jesus as nice. No, no, no. I'm saying you that tongue-in-cheek. I'm he, saying he that tongue-in-cheek. That, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that, that's what people say, you know, people say, oh, Jesus is nice. No, niceness right. is really yeah, not. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I hear you. Niceness is really not a biblical virtue. No, Kindness is a agenda. biblical virtue. Yes. Gentleness is a biblical virtue. But there's never a time when you refrain out of fear from doing what you know is right. Mm. That's never a biblical virtue. And you can put the the icing on top and say, oh, this is nice. I'm being a good neighbor. No, you're not. You're not. Think of any situation. Let's say uh, you live in the Northwest. Let's say you had a big, uh, I don't know, let's say there's an earthquake out on the Pacific Ocean and there's a tidal wave coming. Tsunamis. Um, You've got a tsunami. And you know it. But you don't say anything because you yeah. think your neighbor is going to think you're an idiot. That's irresponsible. That's immoral. Mm-hmm. Now, how you communicate the message depends on the urgency of the situation. Most situations don't have the level of urgency of there's a tsunami coming and it's going to be here in 10 minutes and we're all going to die unless we get to higher ground. Mm-hmm. Most situations are, I have a chance to actually walk alongside this person and build a relationship as we communicate about the truth. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, you can use questions. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with my friend, Dr. Jeff Myers. As you can tell from our conversation Our concern over the trajectory of the culture right now as it relates to objective truth is dire. We need to be able to teach our children that truth exists and it's found in the work and person of Jesus Christ. If you guys want more information on Dr. Jeff Myers, I want to encourage you to find his ministry, summit.org. This is a two-week program for kids ages 16 to 22. I want to highly encourage you to check that out. It's a wonderful opportunity for your kids to engage with the truth of God's word and 
strengthen their worldview. I'm going to air part two of my interview with Dr. Jeff tomorrow, and I'll see you right back here at the intersection of faith and culture.